The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Coming up, we're going to preview the Eagles-Seahawks game on Monday Night Football with Alistair Corp. He's the deputy editor for SB Nation's Seahawks site, Field Goals. We're going to talk to him about some of the big storylines going into this game. And, of course, this is not a game Eagles fans think that this team can win. Obviously, we're going to be talking about different ways we think this Seahawks will beat the birds on Monday night football, but I'm also going to get into uh, just a little bit later some of my thoughts on the coaching situation and what this team needs to do over the last few weeks of the season in order to set themselves up as best they can for 2021 and moving forward, because I think if you look at this thing rationally, there's nothing left to play for here in 2020, no matter how bunched up this garbage division actually is. So we're going to get to all that as well as my prediction coming up in just a few minutes. But first, as we have someone on every week to give us an eye on the enemy, and of course this week we are taking a look at the Seattle Seahawks, is uh, Alistair Corp, deputy editor for SB Nation Seahawks site Field Goals. You can follow him on Twitter at ByAlistairCorp. Alistair, thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks, John. How are you? We're doing all right. I mean, obviously here with in Philadelphia with the Eagles, we are we're kind of bumming as is the rest of the uh, the NFC East because it's been a pretty much a, a tire fire this entire season, and uh, the Eagles right now are about to embark on a part of their schedule that it's really hard to see how they win any of their next five games. They're, they're not going to be favored in any of those games. And uh, the Seattle Seahawks, of course, a team that has had this team's number going back to 2008, I think is the last time the Eagles won a game against Seattle. And of course we remember losing twice to Seattle last year, once during the regular season and once in the playoffs, 17 to nine. And so not good memories when it comes to facing this football team and this particular quarterback. And I want to talk about Russell Wilson in just a second, but I want to start off on the part of the team that is, surprised me with with how ineffective they've been and that's the defense for for years you guys had the legion of boom kind of more like the legion of gloom now this year and and yes i'll accept t-shirt royalties in the form of bitcoin for that one if you want to use that um but i mean most most of the season they've ranked among the bottom teams in dvoa but it looks like they've kind of found a little bit of a groove here over maybe the last six quarters of football. They played pretty well against the Rams in the second half. They they had a good game against the Cardinals last week. How, how are you sensing where this defense is right now heading into a game against one of the worst offenses in the NFL? Yeah, I think that you're kind of on to something there as far as uh, they're, they're, they're turning a corner, which, which is a good thing. Um, entering the season, 
my kind of thought with the defense was was similar to how I thought about like the 2010 New Orleans Saints, where the defense just kind of has to stay it away. The offense is so good um, that if the defense is just good enough, then that's a team that can contend. Um, and then obviously they were they were downright horrific, um, record-settingly bad to start the season. But yeah, they, they seem to be turning a corner now. And and the most exciting part is that. They've done this without their top two cornerbacks the past couple weeks. Um, this mm. week, they should get Shaquille Griffin back, which is by far their best cornerback. Um, and, you know, that kind of makes things a little bit easier for... There's a ton of criticism thrown at Jamal Adams still, which which is a little unfounded for the most part. But um, getting the corners back, he can do a little, a little bit less blitzing, uh, a little bit more just kind of playing within their system, which the system's been all over the place this year. So that'll be nice. Um, yeah, so I think the defense is kind of getting into that place of... Even if they can just be the the twentieth ranked defense by DVOA, that is fantastic with the offense they have. That's all they need. Yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about Jamal Adams because obviously he came over to Seattle with great fanfare. What's been the deal with him this year? And and you say you think some of the criticism has been unwarranted. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that obviously the price is a big thing that that people are still a little bit uh, frustrated about, and I think that's why he's been kind of a beacon for criticism. But um, you know, it's not easy for him. I, I think that he's kind of going on. Uh, I think he's played less than 15 quarters with Quandre Diggs, who's their free safety. Which obviously anybody's familiar with Seattle's defense. Like the the free safety is kind of the the center of it all, um, and he hasn't really gotten to play with him much. So it's it's been tough. I mean, they've been blitzing a ton just to try to manufacture any sort of pass rush, and he's been super effective in that regard. But uh, in coverage, definitely a lot of blown assignments. Um, I think it's just it's something you're seeing across the NFL is is there's no OTAs, there's no training camp really, there's no preseason, so guys are still kind of clicking. Um, Adams was brought into a, a situation really late in the offseason, and I, I think that's showing, but um, you know, he, in my opinion, he's a guy who has transformative impact on and off the field, like he's kind of going to be the centerpiece of the defense moving forward, um, so is there growing pains? Absolutely, but I don't think he's been nearly as bad as people have said. Um, and he's not—he's not, he's not a, somebody who gets exposed in coverage. Like he certainly has been a little bit rough in coverage this year. But I mean, even last year, I think it was Jets and Eagles, and he pl- played Dallas Goddard really well. Um, and obviously, yeah. Goddard is is an absolutely phenomenal receiving tight end. So yeah, I, I think that he's a lot better than his reputation has been in Seattle so far. And it's been really interesting to watch Seahawks fans who weren't really familiar with Adams's reputation ahead of this season kind mm-hmm. of miss the mark on him. It's been really interesting to see. But I think in time they'll come around on him because I mean he's just. He's way too talented to, to play as rough as some people perceive him as. The one guy that will not be uh, taking on the Eagles again this year, who was there last year, was, of course, Jadavian Clowney, who we all remember as, as Eagles fans laid out Carson Wentz towards the end of the game, uh, towards the end of the beginning of the game, and essentially ended the Eagles season right then and there. He has not recorded a sack yet for the Tennessee Titans this season. He's been a little bit banged up over the last couple of weeks, but uh, he's, he has a few different he has, he has a few QB hits. So, I mean, he's gotten to the quarterback a few different times, but has not registered a sack on the season. Nonetheless, how, how much has Seattle missed having him in their defensive and their edge rush rotation? Yeah, you know what? They missed him a ton uh, to start the season for sure. Uh, there's just nobody that could win their one-on-one matchups and more importantly nobody that would kind of command a double team or or slide protection their way and so it's just you know when you have kind of mediocre rushers it not put in advantageous positions I mean it's it's a nightmare and that's exactly what had happened um now that they've acquired Carlos Dunlap and Dunlap's kind of worked into the rotation it's night and day it's exactly kind of what we saw with Clowney in Seattle last year where there's there's an adult in the room there's somebody who can Mm -hmm. actually create a pass rush one-on-one and uh He's kind of, I don't want to say single-handedly transforming the defense, but in, in a way that he is because now they can they can blitz less often. That means they can go back to playing cover three, rushing four guys, and that's what they do best. And it just makes it so much easier because the secondary is a little bit suspect. The linebackers are a little bit older, so the less that they have to be put into space and put in like really difficult positions for them, the better. 
Um, and so Dunlap is really kind of helping to create that four-man rush again, and, and it's making a huge difference. Uh, yeah, and he, he's just kind of been such a big addition. He's kind of turning the defense on Ted. So if you're if you're Doug Peterson and you're looking at this Seattle defense, what's the game plan here coming into Sunday? Are they, are they looking are they looking to establish the run game early to, to set up some play action? I mean, the Eagles haven't been able to do any of it very well over the so it really almost hasn't mattered when the offense has moved the ball. They've turned it over at the end of a long drive, but uh, you know it seems as though the Eagles' offense, the way they've gone about things, is to try and so many of their routes are just set up to try and have substandard receivers win one-on-one matchups and we we are waiting for the offense to look a little different at some point here but it hasn't happened thus far but if you're Doug Peterson you're looking at a defense that has had a rough go of it so far this season and if you're game planning where are you looking to attack this Seattle defense which has had issues in all three levels yeah and it might actually turn into a really funny matchup where their best option is to attack those cornerbacks so it's just going to be kind of like the uh the movable object versus a stoppable force there because <laughs> yeah. neither are all that great. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of their best bet because they've been an awesome run defense all season long. I mean, they've only really gotten gashed by by Dalvin Cook, who, I mean, that's totally He's fair. Right. Everybody gets gashed by Dalvin Cook. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And so like the run defense has been on point. Um, they're still pretty solid over the middle of the field. Quandre Diggs at free safety has kind of limited the seams in the post. So, so they're good over the top. Um, but yeah, the cornerback play has been shaky. And, and like I said, Shaquille Griffin's coming back, which will be a big help. But he hasn't had a great season. And then coming back off a month off and a hamstring injury, like mm. that's a person that you can test. Um, they've been playing a lot of soft coverage this year. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see them kind of try to get Jalen Rieger over the top maybe. Mm. Um, other than that, I mean, <laughs> you still kind of want to say, oh, Alshon Jeffrey is the guy there. But oh my gosh, as no yeah like <laughs> yeah. he has no he has no lift anymore there there's there's nothing coming off the ground when when he tries to when he tries to lift off i mean the guy that really set the set the nfl on fire for about a five-week span was travis fulgham but it seems as though teams have discovered him and are shading a couple another extra defensive back on fulgham do you see that as a as an option for for seattle maybe d- devoting an extra person to fulgham and Trying to you know saying hey if you want Rager to beat us give it a try if you want uh, if you want Greg Ward in the middle of the field to catch eight yard passes all game long fine but um, you know does does Seattle would they double team a guy like Fulgham? No, I think he'll have his fair share of one on one because they're kind of just they do what they do you know they they're very mm. much just they're gonna play a lot of cover three um, kind of drop into their zones so maybe you'll see kind of dig shade over one side or the other but other than that like they'll definitely get their opportunities one on one. And yeah, when they blitz, they play off coverage on a lot on the corners. So, so a guy like Greg Ward could feast because, like, they do kind of give up the middle of the field. They give up stuff underneath because their entire, you know, their their guiding principle is keep everything in front of us. Don't let the big play happen. So maybe it'll be kind of like death by a thousand paper cuts when Philly's mm-hmm. on offense. That's the only way the Eagles ever score is death by. And believe me, we all die a thousand deaths as we watch <laughs> him try to do it. Um, and, and with that in mind, I want to talk to you about the Eagles quarterback situation. And I ask everybody when they come on, uh, what do they think of Carson Wentz? What's what's been happening in, with Carson Wentz? And there seems to be a number of different possibilities and different things going wrong. The, the, at the end of the day, Carson Wentz's job may be in jeopardy. And there's a lot of speculation that if he struggles against Seattle here, that he might get pulled in favor of Jalen Hurts at some point during the game. If you if you see the Eagles' offense struggling, if Carson Wentz has another typical 2020 Carson Wentz game, you know, as an outsider, would you pull Carson Wentz at that point and and try Jalen Hurts out? 
Yeah, for sure. It's actually really interesting that you brought that up because I, I was thinking about wins this week and I kind of realized that uh, last year, in, I think it was week 12 when, when the Seahawks and Eagles played, that was kind of the game where I started to come around on this idea that Wentz isn't the guy. Uh, I've, I've mm. always, you know, I was kind of a big believer in Wentz um, when he was a prospect rising up and, and obviously when he kind of started lighting the league on fire early days with Philly there. Um, but last year he was just, he was missing passes that no real quarterback should miss. And that's where I was like, oh, wow, it's just maybe maybe he's not the guy. Um, and then obviously this year, as, as you guys will be well aware he's been absolute disaster. So yeah, I'm actually surprised they haven't really turned to, to Jalen Hurts earlier. Um, obviously, they're in a bit of a tough situation. I think with his contract situation, maybe you're just almost married to him for another year because there's yeah, no be. way you can get out of it. Um, but <laughs> I mean, that's not really a way to operate a football team. And then then you have Doug Peterson saying, you know, because we're still trying to win, that's why we can't pull him. And you're like, well, if you're trying to win, maybe trying something else could actually do it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So personally, I would not want to see Jalen Hurts in the game because I, I think that. Uh, he at least could give him a spark, at least try to manufacture some yardage. But, um, yeah, nothing about Wentz's play kind of scares me as an opponent right now. No, nor should it. And I, I, we are most Eagles fans are of the opinion that Carson Wentz probably shouldn't play on Monday night. But then again, there's starting the rookie in his first ever game on a Monday night football game against a, a team that has had the Eagles number year after year. I, I think it's more likely that, that Carson gets pulled during this game and, and maybe, maybe Hertz gets a, a series or two, and then maybe you see Carson go back in there. They are very reluctant to pull Wentz. There, there's, uh, it, that's obvious at this point. And I guess I understand that, given the contract and given how many resources they've put into him coaching staff-wise. They haven't really developed or gone after big wide receiving talent like they could have gone after any of the wide receivers that were traded this past offseason and and chose not to do so so that's the thing in Philadelphia is trying to assess blame not necessarily so we know who to get mad at but how to fix it and that seems to be the big issue in Philadelphia is how to fix things I kind of want to flip over to Seattle's quarterback because obviously Russell Wilson has never lost to the Philadelphia Eagles it doesn't feel as though he's ever going to lose to the Philadelphia Eagles he just he didn't play great in either of the two games last year but he he played well enough and made the plays when he needed to make them in order to, to win a couple of defensive struggles. And we've seen Russell Wilson do it that way. We've also seen him run around in the backfield and make magic whenever he seems to be in there too. So Russell Wilson has beaten the Eagles a million different ways. And I thought he was the MVP of the league through the first half of the season, but he, he has dealt with some turnovers over the last couple of weeks and, and was seeing his play slip a little bit. And I wanted to get your thoughts on, on maybe what was going on with Russell Wilson and his penchant for turning over the ball a little bit over the last few weeks. Yeah, that was an absolutely bizarre little period. Um, my, my take kind of coming out of, especially the Rams game, where it was, you know, it was three of the last four weeks, he had looked kind of totally frantic, which is a really weird thing for Russell Wilson, because if nothing else, he's always just kind of composed and, and safe with the ball, and, and he was anything but. So I, I'm kind of looking back at that as just, a really weird couple weeks that maybe he'll never even have again. Um, but I would say that I don't really think that they're going to go back to, to what we saw over the first eight weeks. Like you said, where you kind of thought, oh, wow, this is Russell Wilson's MVP to lose. I mean, he's he's absolutely burning the league down. Um, I don't really think they're going to be that offense moving forward anymore. Um, after the Rams game, Pete Carroll made it pretty clear that they wanted to get back to a little bit more balance, a little bit more of, of what they've done previously. And, and we saw that in, on Thursday Night Football against the Cardinals. I mean, they ran Carlos Hyde a lot. They kind of tried to maintain that balance, and it looked almost... 2015-ish, where Russell Wilson's numbers aren't gaudy, but they're so efficient, and the running game is a really big part of it. Um, and obviously, Philly is a lot better of a run defense than pass defense, at least by DVOA, so that maybe that kind of plays into Philly's hands in that regard, but uh, with Chris Carson coming back, I really think that there's going to be a lot of balance in that offense. Um, I really wouldn't expect kind of the massive, massive passing numbers as we came to expect. 
No, I think one of the reason, one of the ways that Seattle needs to use Russell Wilson this week is as a runner. The Eagles have had an awful time trying to stop opposing quarterbacks with misdirection, and Russell Wilson could have a, a 70-yard, 100-yard rushing game if they devote, <laughs> devoted any time to that if they wanted to. I could very easily see a scenario like that. But, I mean, I'm, I'm of the camp of let, uh, of let Russell cook. You know, they've got some great wide receiver talent. The Eagles obviously have Darius Slay at the one cornerback position, and he's played pretty well. He's played about as well as you would have expected Darius Slay to play this this year, but they have nothing else on the outside. They have essentially four or five nickel cornerbacks, and none of them have been able to match up with, an, with the other team's number two and number three receivers, and that's the big matchup that I can tell is go after these Eagles cornerbacks with Russell Wilson putting the ball up 30 to 35 times. I think that's because you're right. I think the Eagles do do well stopping opposing running backs, where they struggle is opposing quarterbacks and stopping teams from throwing all over them. That, that that's where the Eagles really get into trouble. So I mean, you you see a more balanced attack, but it, you know who are you going after in the Eagles secondary if you're Russell Wilson? Well, I mean, you're preaching to the choir as far as Russ running more often. I mean, that's something that I've been going after for for a few years now, ever since they've kind of stopped running him as often because. Like, I understand that he's kind of become a, a little bit less athletic as he's bulked up and obviously a much more refined pocket passer, but he's he's just such a smart decision maker as a runner, both as far as, like, if you're running the option game, he's always making the right decision whether to keep it or to give, but also just to get down. He never is in harm's way, so it kind of drives me crazy that they don't run him more often. Yeah. Um, that's something that I've definitely been banging the drum for, but... I mean, that's what's become so dangerous with their passing attack this year is is you've seen games where DK Metcalf doesn't do anything, and then, like, the Cardinals game in Arizona, Tyler Lockett has 15 catches, 200 yards, and three touchdowns. And then the flip side is Lockett doesn't do anything, and DK Metcalf goes off. So it's just a pick-your-poison situation. It's absolutely brutal. Um, I think, I mean, Darius Slade definitely has the skill set to kind of shadow Tyler Lockett or Metcalf all over the field, which is pretty unique um, as far as, you know, one guy to match up with either or. I suppose that's kind of similar to Patrick Peterson, but Peterson's always drawn DK Metcalf. Um... I'm just thinking kind of size-wise, maybe Slay probably matches up with Metcalf, and so you'll see a ton of Tyler Lockett, and uh, one of the tight ends has to get going this week as well. Now that Greg Olson's out for the year, um, David Moore, who's their third wide receiver, hasn't done anything. So whether it's Will Disley or Jacob Hollister, um, they have to get one of their tight ends going because they have sometimes they have no third option. And, and late last season, Lockett was a little bit banged up, and you kind of saw the offense evaporate a little bit, uh, and so they can't run into that situation again. If, if something were to happen to Lockett or Metcalf, they'd all of a sudden become kind of dangerously shallow there. Um, unless Josh Gordon suddenly gets reinstated, which we're still kind of waiting on. But um, it, this is a big week for a third target to emerge because this is their first game without Olsen, and, and nobody's really staked a claim to it yet. So it's, it's kind of anyone's role to get. And this is the week to do it. And with these Eagles linebackers, this might be the weakest positional group in the NFL, the Eagles linebackers. I'm talking any positional group in any team in any league. I've, I've never seen a weaker group of, of linebackers, a weaker group of collection of talent at any one position of any team in my life. They, they, they could make these second and third and fourth string tight ends look like Greg Olson on, on Monday night. There's no doubt about it. Now, Seattle expects to get running back Chris Carson back, right? Is, is he gonna, is, does it look like he's going to be back in the lineup as we're recording this here on Friday afternoon? Yeah, I believe so. He's still limited in practice this week, but uh, everything's kind of been trending that direction. Pete said a couple times that like they pretty much are expecting him to go. Uh, although I would say even if he can't go, uh, though I would again really be surprised because it kind of came. It was a game time decision on Thursday of football, and so it'll be ten, eleven days from then. So he should be able to go. But if not, Carlos Hyde ran really well last week, and and he is a guy where, I mean, he's pretty much illustrative of like the running backs don't matter point because you know he's dime a dozen but he he produces when he's in there so I think either well they're in good position at running back 
So real quick before we give it a, get to prediction uh, for this uh, for this week's game in Philadelphia on Monday night, let's talk about the NFC West real quick because right now the Seahawks and Rams are tied atop the division at 7-3. The Rams have the tiebreaker at the moment. Uh, both teams are undefeated at home. Uh, the Cardinals, who are a tough team, just a game back at 6-4. And, and uh, the 49ers with that Super Bowl loser hangover. Uh, it happens every single year. I make this prediction every single year. The team that loses the Super Bowl takes a step back the next year and, and generally speaking misses the playoffs. And knowing that the NFC West was going to be a much improved division this year, that basically every team in the division has a ton of talent. The fact that Seattle is, is right in the mix with the defense that they've had just shows you how good the offense has been. So how do you see the rest of the season shaking out here in the, in, in the NFC West? The Rams, Seahawks, and Cardinals all look like they have pretty good shots at, at taking home this division. Yeah, I mean, I think that all three are definitely looking at a, at a playoff berth, uh, especially with kind of the expanded playoff field. That'd be mm-hmm. really surprising to me to see uh, any of them miss out. But as far as the divisional crown goes, I think Seattle has to be favorited because they haven't played any. They still have Washington, Philly, and the Giants to go, and the mm-hmm. Jets, and the 49ers. Like, that's Ooh. the remaining schedule. So, um, yeah. I they mean, could go 13-3, and three, man. It, exactly. I mean, that's <laughs> the thing. is, And I'm sure that they'll they'll probably drop one of the games to, to the NFC East here just because that's kind of how these things work. But, uh, yeah, you got to feel really good about their upcoming schedule. It gets a lot tougher for the Rams and Cards. Um, so Seahawks got to be feeling good. Yeah, just to have that schedule still to go. Um, everybody's getting healthy, too. I mean, they've lost a lot of key players, which obviously everybody does, but uh, they're kind of getting back. They're getting, Everybody's getting healthy. Um, they kind of have gotten through their ugly period, both as far as schedule and, and health. Um, so, yeah, I'm feeling really good about Seahawks' chances. And like you said, 13-3 is really, really not out of the question. It is in play. And, and obviously, they're just one game behind the Saints for uh, number the number one overall pick. Um, in, in the, I mean, the number one overall uh, seed in the NFC uh, tied with the Rams, and obviously the Packers are at 7-3, and three, the Saints at 8-2. and two. There's a great race for that number one seed, and obviously that number one seed makes a big difference because that's the, that's the team that gets the first round by now with the expanded playoffs, as you mentioned, getting that number two seed. You're still playing that opening week, so uh, still a real good chance for the Seahawks to, to figure out a way to do that, especially with all these games coming up against the NFC East. So as we're looking ahead to Monday night, no one in their right mind is picking the Eagles to win this game. Um, only the most diehard delusional optimists think the Eagles have a shot of, of winning this game. And the fact that there are no fans in the stands certainly makes it a little bit less of a, a disadvantage for Seattle coming to Philadelphia. Obviously you're, you're crossing country, but again, it's, it's a, it's a Monday night game. So it's not like you're playing in your early morning hours with your internal clock as a West coast team coming to a 1 PM game. So really things I can't, they're lining up so perfectly for Seattle to make this, to make this an absolute, blowout I, I guess my question to you is how much of a blowout do you think that think think it's going to be on Monday night yeah I think it could definitely be kind of a two or three score game especially with the Seahawks defense starting to be a little bit more respectable um, if I had to kind of put a score on it probably something in like the 34 14 34 17 range um, Seattle's defense isn't going to kind of completely keep Philly at the end zone I, I, I wouldn't imagine that but uh, yeah I mean Seattle's offense is just kind of in a place where they're they're able to score at will especially now that they're past that weird few months or weird few weeks where where Russell Wilson was turning the ball over but uh yeah it just the way that they're shaping up I, I can't imagine Philly kind of testing them much because they just look so lost on offense right now which is a little bit annoying to see because yeah that NFC could could be a little bit more competitive it'd be a little bit more entertaining that way 
And really, you're looking at this Eagles schedule, and we've we've been talking about it a lot here in the Philadelphia area. They they really could go winless the rest of the season. These next five games are going to be absolutely brutal, um, and they're not going to be favored in any of them. And then you've got uh, Dallas and Washington at the end of the season too. So, yeah, it, it could get really dark here for Eagles fans, which is why I think there's a real good shot we see Carson Wentz get pulled in this game, and we see a little bit of Jalen Hurts. But I agree with you. I think we're looking at a, a, a two-score game. That score sounds... Sounds about right to me. Folks, make sure that you are checking out everything that's going on with the Seattle Seahawks by checking out SB Nation's site, fieldgoals.com. And make sure to read all of Alistair's great stuff there, Alistair Corp. Follow him on Twitter at ByAlistairCorp. Alistair, thanks so much for coming on Eye on the Enemy, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was a, uh, a blast. I hope we both enjoy the game. Well, up next, why it's time to embrace and join Team Tank. We'll get into all that coming up after the break here on Eye on the Enemy. And we're back with Eye on the Enemy. Now, listen, guys, I'm usually the last person to embrace tanking. I'm usually the last. Per- I I want to win. I want to win baseball games. I want to win football games, basketball games, whatever it happens to be. I'm not usually one of the people that wants to lose games in order to improve draft, draft position. For one thing, I think it's bad karma for your franchise. I don't think that that tanking usually helps you a whole lot. Something usually goes wrong when you try to tank. And it's just, it's nature's way of saying, yeah, you weren't trying, and we know you weren't trying, and so you're not going to get a gift out of this. Now, that doesn't always happen, but here in Philadelphia, very rarely do you do you benefit from tanking. We, we saw it with the Phillies when they went uh, tanking at the, end, at the beginning of their rebuild, and the Eagles appear ready to embark on a similar rebuild, and we'll see whether that has anything to do with the quarterback situation, whether it has anything to do with the coaching situation or the GM situation. I'm going to get into some of that here in just a couple of minutes, but as far as the rest of the 2020 season goes, as I was as I was mentioning to Alistair just a minute ago, really, as Eagles fans, from this point on, we can't lose. Because if the Eagles win and they win the division, I don't want them to win this division. You know, it wouldn't be a real division title. No one would be able to look back on the 2020 season and say, see back-to-back division winners and feel good about it. And let's say you host that first playoff game. Can, can you luck out into a win? Maybe, maybe, maybe. But probably not. So you lose 15 spots in the draft in order to get a first-round playoff loss at home, maybe a first-round playoff win, and then get your doors blown off in the divisional round. It just, you know, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't feel good. Obviously, it is better for this team long-term to lose out. It's better long-term for this team to finish 3-12-1, and and they certainly, have, they certainly have that in front of them with the schedule over these next couple of weeks. They have the Seahawks here on Monday Night Football, and then after that, uh, they have to go, uh, they have to go to Green Bay uh, and take on the Green Bay Packers, who are leading the NFC North. And then you have the team with the best record in the NFC, the New Orleans Saints, who will probably be without Drew Brees in that game. But nevertheless, uh, New Orleans at home is always a tough play for the Philadelphia Eagles. And then you've got to go to Arizona to take on another good team in the NFC West, the Arizona Cardinals. So you're looking at four straight losses here. That will probably, I mean, I, maybe the Eagles sneak out a win against one of these guys. Maybe it's against a, a weakened Saints team at home with, with Taysom Hill at quarterback. Maybe. But you're not beating Seattle on Monday Night Football. You're not beating the Packers in Green Bay. You're, you're probably maybe winning one of those two games against New Orleans and Arizona. So, And then you've got at Dallas 
in the penultimate week of the season, and that's a game the Eagles can win, depending on how Dallas is playing, what they have left to play for. And then you've got the Washington football team, who right now, after that Thanksgiving defeat of the Dallas Cowboys, I think is the favorite to win the NFC East. They have the single best positional unit in the in the division with their defensive line. Their defense is legitimately good. And in Alex Smith, you have a competent game manager. You've got a quarterback in this division who isn't laugh-out-loud awful. He's probably the best quarterback in this division right now, which when, when you think about where Alex Smith has come from and what he has battled through over these last few years is really an incredible thing to say. So I'm almost rooting for Washington to win the division just for the Alex Smith storyline alone. But it's best for the long-term future of this football team, the Philadelphia Eagles, to lose out. Finish three twelve and one. Get as get as high a draft pick as you can possibly get, and then hope that Howie Roseman isn't making those draft picks. Hope that Howie Roseman is nowhere near the draft room. I think if you if you're an Eagles fan, you really need this team to move forward without Howie Roseman right now. I mean, th- this has to happen now. They they can't. I mean. What is the point in finishing the season with Howie Roseman as this team's general manager? There's no upside to it. There's no confidence that this person knows how to rebuild a football team. The drafts over these last few years have been god-awful. We know how terrible they've been. We don't have to relitigate it here. They've, they, they, it's, been, it's been a disaster. I mean, you can look back to the to the 2017 draft and look at the you know look at uh, uh, taking Andre Dillard and JJ Ortega Whiteside, and you you thought that Miles Sanders pick might be the only one that was good. Miles Sanders has has run the ball pretty well when he's been in there, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. He continues to have fumbling problems, and frankly, he has not played like the elite level running back that the team had expected. He has not been the dynamic receiver out of the backfield that they had expected. Now, some of that's Carson Wentz for sure. But let's not let's not talk about Miles Sanders as a pro bowler here, a dynamite second round pick because he hasn't been a dynamite second round pick here in 2020. So Howie Roseman has given you no reason to think that he's the guy to rebuild this football team. But it feels like unless this team goes into a complete tailspin and finishes 3-12 and 1 that a change like that is going to happen. I think the only way any kind of change like that is going to happen is if the Eagles do lose out. Or, you know, just win one game from this point on. Win four games, okay, and go uh, 4-11-1. That's the only way this thing, that's the only way I see, that's the only way I see Howie Roseman losing his job. One person who who is absolutely on the hot seat, who should be safe for 2021 is Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson has earned one bad season. Now, you could say this team has been on a downward trajectory since the Super Bowl, and you'd be correct. They finished second in the division in 2018, yet managed to win a wild card game against the Chicago Bears on the double doink, and then were within a whisker, within a, an, Al, an Alshon Jeffrey dropped pass of potentially beating the New Orleans Saints in the divisional round. They probably don't win the NFC Championship that year uh, with Brandon Brooks having gone down in the, in the Saints game, but at least you give yourself that chance, right? So... Then the next year, you have them winning the division last season in 2019 by going on that late four-game winning streak, but losing to the Seahawks at home when Carson Wentz gets pile-driven into the ground by the by the helmet of Jadavian Clowney. And so now you're looking here at a season that's totally lost, and there's no doubt about the fact that I believe the coaching staff is most to blame for what's been going on here this season. It's not absolving Carson Wentz of blame, but when you look at some of the, some of the offensive structure of this team, how they're not scheming to get guys open. 
They're expecting all of these different players to win one-on-one battles that they can't win. And that the the thing that I notice most is that nothing about this team's game plans, nothing about this team's identity, nothing about the way this team does anything changed coming out of the bye week. I expected Doug Peterson and Rich Scangarello and the rest of the coaching staff to have something different in their tool belts coming out of the bye week, to have some new wrinkles, to get Carson Wentz out of the pocket more, to do some different things, and it's been the same vanilla. This this offense looks almost preseason-like in its vanilla-ness. They don't know what they want to do. They don't know what they still don't know what they want to be. And I don't think it's all because they don't trust Carson Wentz. I think I think it's more Carson Wentz is lost because he's had a rotating offensive line, because he doesn't have confidence in his wide receivers, and because he doesn't have confidence in the coaching staff. And I think that has trickled down into his decision-making on the field. He's hesitant on everything. He's delaying on everything. He's too too slow to pull the trigger out there and, and takes bad chances when he shouldn't. I think that's because there's no offensive structure here. There, there's nothing that he can latch on to and say, this is what they want me to do. This is the direction that we want to go. Every play doesn't feel like there's any connection to the next play or the play previous or a play earlier in the game. And I think this all comes down to the coaching staff. And to me, it goes back to coming out of the bye week. And I will admit to you, I was completely wrong. I completely overestimated this coaching staff's ability to, to get this team ready to play and to think of new things, to, to have this team prepared coming out of the bye week. I thought they would have been, I thought they would have done something different. I thought they would have had something new coming out of the bye. And it was the same old stuff. Now that all being said, I think Doug Peterson, what he needs is an offensive coordinator. I don't think there's, I don't think it should shock anybody that this offense has been listless and roaming around the woods looking for, looking for, a, looking for a busy road to, to hitchhike home because they don't have an offensive coordinator. You need someone to coordinate this stuff, and it's too much for the head coach to do apparently. I don't think, I don't think Doug Peterson, Doug Peterson forgot how to be a head coach this year. I don't think he has the help he needs. I don't think the structure that he needs is in place in order for them to do their job correctly. You've heard the reports that he's listening to too many different people. They need to get rid of the noise. They need to simplify things. And here's the other thing about, you know, about the run pass thing. People have been getting on Doug Peterson about the run pass thing. They ran Miles Sanders a lot when the, when the, uh, the Cleveland defense was giving them looks that made sense to run the football. When you cannot pass the football, you also cannot run the football. Defenses are going to load the box. They're going to play three linebackers. They're going to play the safety in the box. They're going to play they're going to play man-to-man single on the outside in order to dare the Eagles, dare Carson Wentz, dare Travis Fulgham and Jalen Rager and Greg Ward and the decaying corpse of Alshon Jeffrey to beat them. That's what they're going to do. You cannot run the football consistently if you cannot pass it. And that's what we talk about when we say sometimes the pass needs to set up the run. When you don't have a defense that's scared of the pass, they are going to load up to beat you in the run game. And that is what we've seen. That's what we saw in Cleveland. That's why Carson Wentz was changing out of so many run plays in the second half. He, the majority of the time, has the option to do a runner pass based on what the defense is giving him. And when the defense is loading the box, when they're bringing seven and eight guys in the box, he's not going to he's not going to stick to a running play. He's going to go to a passing play. 
And when you can't convert those those first and tens, when you can't convert those second and eights, when you can't pass the ball to get yourself into third and short and give yourself an opportunity to run the ball or use the play-action pass, you're not going to be successful as an offense. And that's what we're seeing. Doug Peterson and this offensive coaching staff needs to scheme up the pass in order to make the run work. So I've seen a lot of the statistics about Miles Sanders never having had a 20-carry a 20 game or a 25-carry game. That's true. And he has, he's averaging over six yards per carry this year. That's all true. But you can't run the ball when the defense is geared up to stop the run. You've got to be able to pass the ball to open those things up, and the Eagles haven't been able to do that. And so that is the main, that's what the Eagles' offensive coaching staff has been trying to figure out. How do we open these things up? You saw that when the defense is going to allow them to run, the Eagles are going to run the football. But what we're also seeing is defenses aren't stupid. They've seen how Carson Wentz is playing. They've seen how the Eagles receivers have been unable to get open. They see how Zach Ertz having been off the field has really hurt this team in the middle of the field. They see that Richard Rodgers and Greg Ward have been his two favorite targets because they're the two veterans that he trusts. Dallas Goddard, since he's come back, super talented guy, has been quiet since he came back from injury. And that's that's the problem when you've got guys who are injured all the time coming in and out of injuries. It, you you have to work on and get that rapport back. And so the Eagles have this struggle on offense, and they certainly need to figure this out. But I think Doug Peterson deserves another year at the helm. I don't think he should be, I don't think his job should be in jeopardy right now. I certainly think that there needs to be a shakeup at the general manager spot. Howie Roseman needs to step aside and let someone who can rebuild a football team take things over. And they got to get Doug Peterson the structure that they need in order to make this thing go. Again, I don't think it's a coincidence that this team's offense has fallen off a cliff the same year they don't have an offensive coordinator. I don't think those two things are unrelated. I'm sure, I'm sure Doug Peterson will tell you they're unrelated. I'm not buying it. And so here's what you've got on Monday night. You've got, an, you've got a Seahawks team that's tremendous offensively and maybe starting to pick things back up defensively. Wouldn't that be the Eagles' luck, of course, is that the Seahawks' defense is starting to figure things out as they get ready to come into Philadelphia once again and put a hurtin' on Philadelphia. Now, this is one of those situations where, as Eagles fans, we can't lose because if they beat the Eagles, it worsens their record. It, it sets them up better for a better draft pick and for this rebuild that we know is due for this football team. So even if the Eagles lose, okay, you know, sets them up better for the future. If they win, hey, you saw an Eagles victory. They finally beat the Seahawks. They'll have beaten Russell Wilson. That'll feel good for a day or two. And then we'll and then we'll worry about the Packers in Green Bay. But I don't see any way they beat this Green Bay, the Seattle, the Seattle Seahawks team. Uh, Russell Wilson is just too good. The Eagles defense won't have any answers for what he wants to do out there. And uh, I, I think uh, I think Carson Wentz doesn't finish the game. Either that or I don't think he plays every snap, and I don't think it's injury-related. I think we see Jalen Hurts in this football game on Monday night. I think Carson Wentz will struggle. I think this offense will continue to struggle, and I think Doug Peterson will have no choice, no choice, but to put in Jalen Hurts, even if it's just for a series or two, and see what the kid can do. Maybe actually let him attempt to pass. Again, I hated the Jalen Hurts pick. I think it stinks that he's on this football team. I think it did nothing to help Carson Wentz. I think there's a player they could have taken in the second round that would have made this team better this year. Maybe given Carson Wentz another weapon. Maybe give the defense a weapon. Regardless, they've got Jalen Hurts. Carson Wentz is doing what he's doing. They've got to figure out. I think it's also good for Carson Wentz to sit. 
I don't think there's anything wrong with a quarterback sitting. You've got to earn your playing time in this league. And I don't think that it's it's a signal to the team that the season's over. I think it's a signal to the team that they're still trying to win football games and that they're going to do whatever they need to do to try and win football games. So I do not think Carson Wentz plays every snap in this game. I think Jalen Hurts will get at least a series or two, and if things go well, might finish the game and might get the start in Green Bay against the Packers. But either way, I think this is an Eagles loss on Monday Night Football, 34-14. to I think the Seahawks roll in this one. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks to Alistair Corp from uh, Field Goals for coming on the podcast. And don't forget, folks, to tell your friends about the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. I know the Eagles stink, but it's still fun to talk about this football team and We've got a lot to get into as this team finishes the season and gets ready for what we think is going to be a rebuild here. And so you'll want to make sure that you're listening to every single podcast we have. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, subscribe, anywhere you can get your podcasts. And don't forget to check out BleedingGreenNation.com every day for the latest news and information on your birds. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy. G and